Welcome to the Internet Jet Set Podcast. Now, this podcast is made for those who are tired and want to ditch their corporate lives and work for themselves and experience everything that the freedom of self-employment has to offer. So on this podcast, my guest and I will share tactical ways in which you can work for yourself and the blueprint to get started building the life of your dreams. So visit me on my YouTube channel, John Cristani on YouTube for more exclusive content and to get access to a free training course to help you get started with your first profitable internet business. Hey, what's up, Jet Setters? John Cristani here. Super stoked for the guest we have on today, uh, Mike Dillard. Dude, you are, you're a man. I've, it's funny, I've worked with this guy's companies in the past and you, you've, uh, founder of Self Made Man, done over $60 million. 60, yeah. In, in revenues in your businesses. Um, and dude, you've, you've done it all with like a really small team. Uh, I mean, really great outstanding example of just what I, view probably the dream of like a lot of internet marketers is to be able to build a massive business that affects a lot of people with very little infrastructure. I'm just, um, I'm, you know, wondering, first of all, you know, how would, how would you say, what, what do you believe it is? How do you approach things differently that a lot of, that most people that never get their start? Um, you know, I think the, the key to my success has been to create a great quality product for a group of people who have a problem that they want to solve and then having the skill set to actually sell it. So let's just call that copywriting. Mm -hmm. If you can create a sales message that will effectively allow you to convert cold traffic into a customer and then deliver a exceptional product experience and an amount of value to those customers, you've won because the only missing ingredient at that point is traffic. And there are dozens and dozens of traffic agencies out there uh, that will be happy to run and manage those campaigns for you. And they can do it very successfully, but they need that piece from you. So if you don't have an offer that converts and if you don't have a great product, it doesn't matter how great that traffic team is, it's not going to work out. So as a business owner, that's what I put 100% of my focus on, which is creating a, a great sales message and marketing campaign and a great quality product. <clears throat> um, and then the rest is outsourced. So tech is outsourced. Traffic is outsourced. The only, uh, well, I have the same two customer service uh, gals that have been with me for almost 10 years. They're outsourced. Uh, so we literally haven't had employees in six, seven years uh, at all. So you're basically like the uh, the wolf of HTTP. Yeah, <laughs> just it's just uh, you don't you know wolf of www. Yeah, if you're building a business that's based around your teaching, what you're providing, if you're in a leadership role, mm -hmm. and if you're the one creating the education and the content based on what you know, you don't need uh, a huge amount of employees to scale that. Uh, because you're usually the one that's doing the selling. The people are buying the product because of their relationship with you. So it's not like I could bring on an employee and put that person in a, in a revenue generating role because it's just not going to work out. If I had a physical product, like our buddy, you know, Drew Canoli and Organifi is an example, you can build a big team around that because the product is front and center in the face and what people are buying. 
and that's just not the case in the information you know information publishing you know, business model, which is what I've traditionally been in. Do you view yourself? Do you, do you ever use the term like online salesperson, or how do you view yourself as a copywriter? What's the word you use to describe entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the skill set, but a big part of it is figuring out what is the right kind of product that will serve your specific audience at that moment in time. So uh, the last company I started in 2010 was a, a financial education company similar to Rich Dad Poor Dad on what Robert Kiyosaki was doing. We did 3.6 million, 3.2 million in our first seven days and nice. eight figures in our first year um, because the message we were taking to the market and the product we were offering was perfect for that point in time and where the economy was and the education that we were putting out. Three years later, after the economy recovered and everything's kind of going as normal, that offer did not sell anymore because it wasn't a good match timing-wise with the solution people were looking for. Mm. Um, and so that you know kind of fizzled out and had its lifespan. So getting the timing right and knowing where we're at economically and in people's life cycles is really a, a big piece of it. In terms of copywriting, how would you say, like, and yeah, Drew Cano was awesome. We've met with him. I, um, uh, I, I know Craig Clemens says he start, you know, he physically found really good sales letters and just write, wrote them word for word. And, you know, that's kind of how, and he learned through sending out emails and seeing, oh, what, oh, wow, it's interesting. You send, you change a headline around and you see a different... And, um, I was wondering how did you kind of like initially I cut my teeth in advertising by, I was working for an ad agency and managing 50 different clients, pay-per-click accounts. And I just got, you know, and you do that, you get really good over time. And I was wondering how did you first, I guess, what was the first realization that you were a good copywriter and also how did you cut your teeth? Yeah. How'd you build this? How'd you build this skill? It, it was just uh, the next logical step in the progression. Back when I was in my mid twenties, I wrote an ebook and built the website. And now I was like, well, the next logical step is I have to write the sales letter for it, which I'd never written in my life before. But if I want to sell the book, I got to figure out how to do that. And so it was very much the same as Craig. Uh, we both learned from uh, a big mentor of both ours was Adam Pagan. Um, oh, really? And so, but I did the same thing. I collected all of the converting sales letters I could find at the time and wrote them out by hand every night for months. Uh, And that is going to allow you to internalize the vocabulary, Mm. the language patterns, the framework and structure of storytelling. And it's akin to learning how to become a chef. Right, I can give you a recipe, just like I can give you a copywriting recipe. Mm-hmm. Your ability to recreate that at a world-class level, your first time, a zero. Yeah. So is mine, right? Yeah. But how do you learn how to become a great chef? Going in there and cooking that dish over a thousand times, trying a little more salt, a little more pepper, a little less whatever. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you just build up this awareness of what, uh, yeah, what what works and what doesn't, and you acquire the art, which is really what copywriting is, is an art. So uh, no different than cooking or playing a musical instrument. Yeah, uh, Just, yeah, same exact way, reading every book and course on it, but writing out 
the best letters by hand is the single best way to learn how to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Write that down. Mm-hmm. Write, write the whole sales letter. Some of these sales letters are like 50 pages long, man. Like it's, it's, it's fun though. I took, uh, I took some of Craig's. He has like two girls teach sex or something like that. Like it's uh, some of them are so funny. It's, I love, I love, uh, I love some of the sales. I love sales copy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Actually. You know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's changing today because people get numb or immune to certain styles of very aggressive copy. Like I just mm. had a, a good conversation with the CEO of Agora Financial a couple of weeks ago, $300 million publishing company in the financial space, right? Yeah. Okay. They have the highest paid team of 45 copywriters in the world. So mm. they have the best copywriters you can get yeah and they're having to completely change their approach to marketing and writing copy because the very sensational stuff that used to work for the last 20 years for them is no longer working with this new generation of you know adults who are growing up on social media and getting saturated with it and getting more savvy and a a much higher education level and sophistication level when it comes to to marketing Mm. that it's much more now about just building authentic relationships and not where the copy becomes less important because you're building the audience and the relationship first and then selling your product yeah. to that audience. And so the amount of salesmanship required is infinitely less and it's just more effective. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I've seen the, you know, I've seen sort of the same thing happening. Like I kind of straddle that weird line between like influencer and, and copywriter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like, and, yeah, authenticity is so important. Um, now I'm wondering, uh, basically, what what advice do you have for people that are just? Uh, and I want to talk. I want to actually talk about in a little bit some of these. Well, here I'll just dive into it. <laughs> Why, given like you're you really you use a lot of leverage points. You know, you're you're outsourcing a lot of things. I I don't know if you have, but. I'm just going to ask it this way. What have you built a tech company or if not, why, why not? Because it seems like a next level of a leverage, a a, a tech company you've built from my understanding, very successful. You know, I'm familiar with most familiar with elevation group. Um, but I'm wondering, has that ever been a thought that's occurred on your, I I know I think about it. I say I had technology company. That's like, I feel like that's the next leveling up of a marketer. No, I'm wondering just, if that's ever just, been an interest to you. No, or... I've, I've made that mistake twice now. What? The two times I've tried to bring and develop proprietary technology platforms to mm-hmm. enhance what we're offering has been the biggest, most expensive mistakes that I've made. Tell me, Chuck, because I'm, I'm problem like that's, <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll walk you through why do you think, why do you think it's such a big mistake for a marketer? It, does a marketer need to stick his role or like, why is that? Yeah. No, explain that. Yeah. yeah. So tech is its own area of expertise and its own language. Literally it's its own language. Right. And so as an entrepreneur and specifically coming from a marketing skill set background, you don't speak tech. I don't speak mm-hmm. code. I can't say here's an idea. Here's our development roadmap. And here's, I don't have the ability to judge your quality of work, speed, efficiency, cost, or or any of that. And so when you 
take the dive into developing a tech platform, even if it's with an outsourced company of really talented people, I can't participate, I can't give feedback, and I can't judge. All I can say is, let's do this. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And then they come back and they give you a time estimate or a cost estimate and they do it. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't work. So with Self-Made Man, we I built this whole plat- custom platform from scratch over the last two years. We did an enterprise level. Self-Made Man is your your podcast. It's edu- also education platform. Education. It's similar platform, to yeah. Creative Live or Skillshare or Udemy. And the fact that we sell great, a great comparable of stuff classes. And that's who we modeled. And so we want to turn Self-Made Man into this education platform where it's not the mic show, but it's the brand and it's all of these experts that we've created classes with and it lives on that platform for a monthly subscription. Is that a tech company or is it? Well, I started it as a, you know, I started with the finding the team to build the platform and I said, I want what Skillshare has. Mm -hmm. Go build that. Yeah. And we put a million dollars into that uh, to develop that platform. And we put all of this cool functionality in it where you can take notes while you're watching the video and it saves that in your library. So you can always have access to everything that you've watched and we're doing video tracking. So I know what you've watched and where you left off. So next time you come back, you know, it just picks up right where you were. Apple pay on mobile. We filmed everything in 360 VR. So you can eventually put a helmet on and sit in the classroom as if you were there when we filmed it. Yep. And, uh, and it was the biggest mistake that I made because what it did was it disempowered me from doing my, applying my superhuman skill, which is marketing to the tech and the platform. So a part of the platform and making it successful is now, okay, we've launched it and we have to optimize it. We have to optimize and test and track the user experience and the flow and the checkout process and the checkout pages. And we have to split test this and split test that. And none of that existed. So they, all of the functionality that would come in, let's say ClickFunnels, they had to code by hand. Mm-hmm. So if I said, guys, I want to do a lifetime membership upsell after somebody joins with a basic membership, well, they've got to code it's a huge order. the checkout page proprietary. They have to code the upsell functionality in a proprietary code. And that might take two or three weeks and 20 grand. And guess what? It might not work. Yeah. It might lower conversion rates. And so what we found is that everybody who joined, nobody cares about the functionality. Nobody cares about the note-taking feature. Nobody cares about any of the other stuff. They just cared about the information. And then I'm in handcuffs from a testing and optimization standpoint because I can't go in ClickFunnels and make the change and set up a split test in 10 minutes. I've got to pay these guys another 20 grand. It takes another two weeks which it just is an anchor around a company that doesn't need to be there. And so we're actually right now migrating the entire platform over to WordPress and wishlist member and ClickFunnels. And it'll look the same. It won't have those fancy bells and whistles, but 90% of it will be identical. And it'll be run on technology that costs me three or $400 a month instead of 40,000. It's the same stuff. Right. And so that's the second time that I've done this. I did the first time with a platform called Better Networker in, I think, 2010, 2008, where I built this social network for the network marketing industry and built it on Drupal and Drupal code and hired a tech guy. And it was just constantly breaking and it was the same thing. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And those are the most expensive words that an entrepreneur can ever utter, by the way, when it comes to tech is wouldn't it be cool if. Mm. Um, so 
Uh, my rule of thumb is wouldn't it be cool if is great if it can do it through an existing platform like lead pages or ClickFunnels or Shopify or whatever it may be, and you stay within those bumpers and you just focus on that uh, because the opportunity cost, the real expense and the money cost of doing it yourself and bringing that idea to life, rarely does it pan out in 10x your business. Usually it stays the same. You get a little bump or a little decline. It never justifies the time and the money and the resources it took to implement it. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, building a tech company is something I will never do. So how do you get around that if you want to build a tech company? I want to build a billion. I, I want to build a company that, I mean, you're affecting a ton of people through self-made man, which yeah. is, it's, it's interesting hearing how you actually, the mission of what you're trying to help, you're trying to help people basically empower themselves right. to be entrepreneurs, which is really cool, but you held yourself back by building all this. Well, let's say if we went back and wanted to, and had an opportunity to invent YouTube. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the key, if you want to bring a tech idea to life is you have to bring on a tech founder. You have to bring on a partner who speaks tech tech. that will do the work because of the passion and the belief and the equity they have in the company and the mission Mm -hmm. basically for free or, you know, bootstrapped or whatever. Right. So if I were to start a tech company, I'm going to go find a tech partner who's going to work just as hard as I am on the tech side and take ownership of that Mm -hmm. because they're going to work 18 hours a day to get the job done. Just like I'm going to work 18 hours a day to get my job done and I'm not going to have to pay them to do it. We're partners in the business and now we've got someone who speaks marketing and someone who speaks tech and it's a very holistic relationship instead of me as a marketer trying to use a translator to talk to this other group of people and they just say more money. And I can't judge whether I'm being overpriced or not. Maybe I can get that done for $3,000 instead of $30,000. I don't know because I can't read code. Yeah. It's, not my, it's not my area of expertise. It's interesting. It's interesting how you call it like different. There are different languages. And I, one of the things I tell people is in order to understand marketing, you really need to speak the lang- lecture, speak the language and you need to understand the terminology. And once you start being able to understand the terminology, you can actually start learn it, learning. But I, that's that's an interesting point. And I'm probably in the process of making, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to be more self aware about this. But I've I I tried to build a like a tech company and lost like a million dollars. Yeah. You know, it was one of the biggest mistakes, and I'm yeah. probably trying to do that again. So the guys who have succeeded in building tech companies in the marketing space yeah. have all been engineers. So, uh, like Clay Collins, founder of uh, Lead Pages, right? So he understood marketing, but he was an engineer and approached his solution from an engineering perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why he built a very successful tech company. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Brunson found his tech co founder for ClickFunnels, um, and they combined their superpowers to create this, that success story. So, you've got to find uh, a founder and a partner in it. Uh, that will take full responsibility for it and not an outsourced company. Because an outsourced company's goal is not for you to be successful. It's mm-hmm. for you to keep paying them. So, right. I like the problem you're solving for, which is, I mean, for me, I, I, I think the future of working is self-employment in some form. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to, I think it's, it's just obvious it moves towards that. And I also think, the education system is just, it's a massive bubble right now. If you look at colleges and the amount of, you know, if you look at what people get four years and it, 
I think it's the whole system is arbitrarily set up. It doesn't make sense at all. And what I feel what you're solving for, I don't know if you'd say this, but you're you're there's a there's a big gap there and you're trying to create a platform. So I really think like with self-made man, I think that's that's awesome. And obviously having started eight, you know, two eight-figure businesses, it's just like I mean, obviously, you. I'd rather be learning from you than from some failed failure of a yeah. professor driving a Toyota Camry or right. Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> it just make if I want to go into business, which right. lots of people do. So, but I'm wondering what what uh, what do you think the future of education? What like five, ten years down the line? What do you think? Do you think the future of education is a bunch of marketers like? Like me and everybody else here in here in Austin, that's you know whoever shows up on YouTube, or do you think it's Ty Lopez's Knowledge Society, or if it's Masterclass, or everybody's getting ten dollars yeah. Udemy courses? It I depends. Don't it depends on what your vocation YouTube. is going to be. If you want to be an entrepreneur, then the, the world is your oyster, education-wise. Uh, if you want to be a dentist, or an architect, or a naval, you know, designer of ships, whatever it may be. You're always going to need a super high-level education, cool, you know, school for those vocations. So, the business, I guess, business education specific, professional, like, professional vocations of whatever kind is going to require that level of education and certification from an insurance perspective and a liability mm-hmm. perspective and things like that. So, you're never going to see a doctor that I got educated up by watching, you know, YouTube surgery videos, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so. Colleges will exist in that standpoint, but the moment you can make a decision that you want to make money on your own, yeah, uh, as a business owner, then you don't need you don't need college at all. It would be a huge mistake to do that. Yeah. Interesting. I, and I've thought about this like I, we're developing like a VR platform and all this other stuff. For I, that's why I think it's fascinating. You shot this whole thing in VR. What What are your thoughts about why do you Why do you film it in VR? What do you think? Uh, the, uh, we filmed everything. Was in, the impetus? Behind yeah, it? everything in four K, four K in VR. Just because I didn't want the content to be irrelevant five years from now to hmm. seven years from now. And so, you think it's all it's going to be in VR in five to seven years? No, I don't at this point. But I. It's easy to capture. It's not a super difficult thing to do. So why wouldn't we do it? Mm. And if that transition did successfully happen and it did become much more mainstream, then great. Our entire library is still up to date. You know, you know, the moment you go back to YouTube and you watch a video that's 10 years old, like you can just tell this is old information. And it's in many ways, the perceived level of value, even if it's correct, is a lot lower because it is dated. Of course. So we wanted our stuff to continue to stay relevant for the next five to 10 years. And so we just filmed it in VR. We don't have any plans to implement it at this point. It's all sitting on a hard drive. Um, But if adoption does take place in the next five years, uh, great. We're going to be the first to the playing field, you know? So uh, it was a very low cost thing to do uh, that just was an insurance policy for the future. Insurance policy. I like like that. What, um, I'm trying to think what else, what else do you think is going to kind of, what, what company, what billion, what billion dollar company opportunities do you think are out there that just haven't been created in this whole, in this e-learning or space or whatever you want to call it space that we're, we're in? Um, Because I don't think, or are there not? I don't necessarily see any right now. Uh, 
you've got distribution, you've got creation tools, you've got major education platforms that are have huge volumes of work like lynda.com and that sold for a billion dollars to, sure. to LinkedIn. And so I don't necessarily see any opportunities. I think information is becoming commoditized and I think the real value is with the relationship with you to your audience and your audience to you. Um, you can go learn marketing from 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people. Mm -hmm. People want to learn it from you because of your relationship with them and, and vice versa. So the relationship is where the money is in, in the information space. Uh, I think there'll be a ton of really interesting opportunities in the crypto space or the blockchain space when that's applied to information. There are already startups in that area that are looking to use blockchain tech to uh, handle counterfeit and uh, you know, IP theft and things like that. So I think that's where the next billion dollar opportunities yeah. are. But there's nothing specifically that comes to mind from an in information standpoint or an idea that I've had that would have that potential and, and have that kind of market cap. So interesting. Yeah. And what is uh what is the future? You said you said you're evolving the self-made man platform. What is what is the future of that? Can you talk about that for a second? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure that out. What I've realized is that the goal was to build self-made man into a company that was built around a brand that I was not the face of. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not in any of the classes. It's 40, 50 experts, you know, in their area of specialty. But what I found is that the audience is still following me and putting me in the leadership position, listening to me on the podcast. I'm the one who sends all of the, the marketing emails and sales emails and content emails. Mm -hmm. So even though I've tried to sidestep it, at the end of the day, people are still primarily buying because of me. Mm -hmm. If I had created a software tool like lead pages, that would be different. You don't have to be on the face of it. Uh, you know, to do that. But for my company to make money and for me to sell self-made man, I've got to tell my story and I've got to connect with the audience and I've got to build a relationship. Hmm. And, you know, ideally, and as we move forward, more and more of that's taking place on social media uh, to get the kind of reach we're looking for and the growth we're looking for. So, you know, we're going to be doing three to five YouTube videos a week all next year. Oh, really? And that's, that's going to be me. It's going to have to be me. And at that point, I'm not going to sell the company a year from now because I'm not going to give someone control of my name and likeness in that capacity. Yeah. And so the conclusion I've come to is that it's unbelievably difficult to build an information-based, leadership-based business that's sellable. Uh, and what you should do instead is, as an individual, focus on building your own personal brand, build up the audience, build a relationship with the audience, and that attention base, and then you point that attention to a physical product company that you would start that would be a good fit for your market. So mm -hmm. for example, my market is, you know, guys with ambition. So I could start a new company, a new company in the next year or two that either sold apparel or sold beard oil or sold, you know, art or whatever it may be that's aligned with what my audience would want to buy. And then I could sell that brand in that company. So John Olson did this with, the luggage company. He did it with St. Armand, the apparel company. Yeah. And he's the perfect example of a guy who built his audience with his own personal name and simply directs that attention to a physical products business that he starts. And then they both take on a life of their own with their own teams and they don't need him anymore at that point. I have a douchebag. 
Yeah, I love I love yeah. the douchebag. Sure, yeah, I bought I bought one as well. But I <laughs> but I've, the last two years I've learned that lesson. So now I'm like, interesting. What am I going to do? Because if I keep building up self made man as the brand and I can't sell it, then what's the point of doing that? I should just mm-hmm. be building my own personal brand. Interesting. And so what I'll most likely do is turn self made man into a product that's just a part of the Mike Dillard product line, mm. rather than that being the primary brand and umbrella for everything. It'll just be a piece under the umbrella. So, so almost like you're an incubator for different physical product, com- like John right. Olson. John yeah. Olson's a good Yeah. Well, dude, thank you. Uh, you're, you're, first off, you're a legend. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time out and, uh, doing this. Obviously I, I think that's awesome. And, uh, copywriting is the way to go guys. I'm going to put a link to uh, some of your, what would you like me to link to? Uh, at real Mike Dillard on Instagram is my personal Instagram and uh, selfmademan.com. Yeah. So check, check out, check out his stuff. It's amazing. Um, legend of the industry, really just amazing example of an uh, internet marketer. And um, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon. Thanks. Let me know what your thoughts are. First off, like subscribe, Uh, and comment and also let me know uh, what you'd like to see in the next video. See ya. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Internet Jet Set Podcast. Now, if you're not subscribed already, be sure to do so now. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Now, this lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like you love the content. It'll be a huge help and I would be super grateful. Also, be sure to head over to my YouTube channel. My name is John Cristani on YouTube, C-R-E-S-T-A-N-I. And pick up my free course on affiliate marketing that'll be available once you subscribe. Now, this free course will describe to you in detail the methods I used to become wealthy in my own internet business without having to invest lots of money or uh, have any employees. So this is the same system used by thousands of students of mine all over the world to earn a side or a full-time income. Now, until next time, money loves speed, so let's get it.